Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. In each episode, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your sales and marketing strategy. We'll share what we know along with advice from industry experts who will join us on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hey, everybody, this is Stacy Jackson. And I'm Elena Jackson. We are the co-founders of Jackson Marketing. And in case you still haven't heard, we are also sisters. Stacy, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about how to build and maintain freelancer relationships. And that's really important, maybe now more so than ever with marketing departments and other departments and companies maybe having to downsize a bit due to the impact of coronavirus. So you may be looking to hire a freelancer to help fill the gap until you're able to hire again. Or even if you just like working with freelancers in the first place, today's guest is going to have a lot of great information that you need to hear. Elena, what do you think about working with freelancers? I think freelancers are a great way to expand your team without all of the additional costs that maybe an actual employee might bring on. So I definitely think it's something that a lot of companies should be looking at, but also considering all the different things that come with it, like how you need to have a relationship with your freelancer, you know, a freelancer versus an employee and things like that. And we're going to get into all of that during this episode. So Lane, why don't you introduce our guest today? I'd love to. George Papadeus is the COO of The Hoth, a white-label SEO service built specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. He started at The Hoth in January 2016 as a support and product production manager and worked his way up the ranks to the C-suite. George is a graduate of the University of South Florida with a degree in marketing. He's a huge USF fan and very open about it being the best university in the world, which... I'll have to agree because I graduated from there as well. So go Bulls. And then a few fun facts about George include that he's 100% Greek and claims to make killer tzatziki from scratch. So hopefully we'll get to try that someday because I love that stuff. He's also a car guy and aspires to have his own car collection that includes his favorites such as the classic Corvette, the GMC Sierra 1500 Denali, and the Jeep Wrangler, but only from years 19. 98 to 2002. George, welcome to the B2B Mix Show. If I could get that introduction for everything that I do, gosh, I think I'd be the happiest individual in the world. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. No, let's get a go Bulls. I love that. And, I know, uh, right? And the, and, the, and the you know personalness at the end. I just love that. But thank you both for having me on today. I'm very excited to talk about um, freelancers today and and, um, and you know, how we can best support businesses with freelancers and vice versa. Yeah. And, you know, Stacy makes a killer guacamole. So get you two together and we've got <laughs> yeah. some killer appetizers. Yeah, we'll need to have, have an a... appetizers party. I'll bring the wine. <laughs> that too. sounds good. Once all this social distancing stuff's over, because we're right in the same area. As yep. the right. Yeah. yeah so that, that'd be awesome. We're over here in uh, downtown St. Pete. And I believe you all are, are also in Pinellas County as well. Yep, we're yes, over we're in Dunedin. Dunedin area. Oh, wonderful. I need to make it up there. I haven't been up to Dunedin yet, but I hear it's wonderful. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and we'll do do a tour of Dunedin too then. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a tour of Dunedin. You guys come to St. Pete. We'll do a tour of St. Pete, and uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of fun. There you go. All right. <laughs> well, George, before we start talking about building and maintaining those freelancer relationships, uh, would you like to tell our listeners a little more about the Hoth? Yeah, absolutely. And uh 
once again, just the opportunity to, to come on this, this show and, and talk to you guys a little bit more about freelancers and our experiences is, is a really great opportunity. But to give you the backstory of the Hoth, the Hoth uh, was started in 2010. Hoth stands for hit him over the head. It's a nice little little branding play there. <laughs> and the Hoth was created really as kind of a, a um, one product SEO shop, if you will, that, that sold a very basic backlink uh, type product, uh, mostly to agencies. Um, we white labeled agencies who resell to their end clients. And, um, you know, the thesis of the Hoth was basically to build this brand that was focused on the client experience rather than just the deliverable. Uh, back in that time, if you were buying SEO products or services, uh, there was typically no customer service associated with, with what you were buying, no, no face to the names of the, the organization you were buying from, and really no follow-up or, or kind of next steps after a, a deliverable was given. And so um, they, the, the original founders of the Hoth really wanted to put an emphasis on hitting our clients over the head and bludging them with awesomeness, uh, just with, with the experience that they have and the results that they get from the Hoth. So uh, fast forward to, to 2016, uh, I was brought on as our support and, and production manager. Um, the Hoth at the time was uh, kind of just a lifestyle business, if you will. Um, still an SEO shop, for lack of a better phrase. Our product suite grew. Uh, I think we had about six products and services at the time. Um, and then let's do another fast forward to now 2020. We have a product suite of, I believe, 17 products and uh, a monthly managed service called HothX, um, as well as a, a business that we acquired back in November called FreeUp, which is a, a freelancer marketplace platform uh, that pairs freelancers with, um, excuse me, with uh, business owner operators to accomplish whatever online productivity is needed, whether it's virtual assistants to um, marketing experts to bookkeepers, whatever that may be. So the Hoffa over the last, uh, at least the four years that I've been here, has seen some insane growth, both internally with our team and, and externally with, with our, uh, our revenue. And, um, you know, I just feel like we're just getting started. So, uh, yeah, that's hopefully, hopefully I provided enough details there. That's, that's the Hoffa. Yeah, and and we actually, Stacy may have heard of the Hoff before this, but um, I think it was two years ago we went to Digital Summit in Tampa, mm-hmm. and someone from your company was speaking, and that was the first I had heard of the Hoff, and so I know that you guys have really kind of flourished over the last couple of years, so that's awesome. Yeah, and Rick Flair was there. That's yeah, Rick Flair was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we have a personal relationship with Rick Flair, our CEO and, and owner Mark uh, Hardgrove. Him and him and Rick Flair buddies, and, and he'll come out to trade shows for us, whether we go to Vegas for a trade show or, or here in Tampa, and um, he'll come out and sign autographs and tell stories, and it, it's just a hoot to be around him. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to see him and and hear about the company and everything. But mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about. <laughs> All right, so before we really get into how to maintain those and building those relationships with those freelancers. Can we talk a little bit more about how to find those right freelancers? So when you're going through the process, how do you recommend companies should approach finding the right freelancer? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, the first thing a company needs to focus on is what are they using the freelancer for? What's the ultimate goal of that freelancer? Uh, Once you have that goal, then going out and finding the right platform for the freelancer. So for instance, if, if it's a, a, um, a freelancer that you need in development or you need some sort of programmer that's freelancer, you know, which platform do you go to? Do you um, go to one of, one of the, uh, the larger platforms? Do you go to a, um, a, de- a programmer specific platform 
uh, or do you just type in a Google search and see what you can find? Or do you go the, uh, sorry, I forgot this one as well, uh, go the route of maybe just posting your own uh, freelancer job description. And so there's a lot of different routes you can take when it goes to connecting with a freelancer to get you know whatever task done or whatever goal accomplished. Um, but really what we found is going to um, some existing resources that you have. And so for instance, our clients at, at the Hawk, when they tell us about an issue they're facing, in their business um, and that they need some sort of human productivity associated to help solve this problem, we refer them then to FreeUp, which is within our, our uh, ownership group. It's part of our parent company. And our, our partners over at FreeUp then help the client accomplish whatever freelance goals that they have or, or whatever productivity is needed. And so the first thing I would say is, is absolutely start with um, referrals from either a business that you're already using to accomplish your goals uh, from a friend or colleague or, or uh, maybe a, a partner or, or another business owner that you, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, conversate with, whatever that may be. Um, also, what you can do, and here's a shameless plug, is just go to freeup.net and uh, and we can connect you with a freelancer within 48 hours for really whatever you're looking for. And so um, that's, yeah, that's that's really the only advice I have there. It seems so simple for me when it comes to finding freelancers just because we've done it so much across all the different businesses. Um, but really what it comes down to is, is use just a little bit of logic to find it because you'd be surprised how quickly you can find a freelancer out there. So this next question that I have kind of goes hand in hand with what Elena just asked about finding the right talent. And I've been on the being the freelancer person before. It's paying them what they're worth and what you need because freelancer doesn't necessarily mean cheap or free. <laughs> so um, what are the guidelines and expectations people should have when it comes to being fair in their payment practices? Cause really you get what you pay for. That's exact. You, you stole my answer there, Stacy. That's exactly <laughs> it is. You get what you pay for when it comes to freelancers. And for us and the experience that we've had is, Having an understanding as the business business owner operator going to find freelancers, having that understanding that um, this is not real, you're not really in a position to negotiate too much when it comes to freelancers, uh, because typically if you're connected with a freelancer, they're going to be an expert in their field of some sort, and so uh, with that, you you have to understand that with the amount of quality you want comes a comes a price you have to pay, and and um, you know, I, I think what it comes down to is taking doing first doing a little market research. Um, when I use freelancers for my business, just personally, just doing a little market research to see kind of what the market would pay for when it comes to a freelancer that you're looking for, whether it's uh, a virtual assistant who's just button clicking all the way up to, and I use the example a lot of a programmer, but but a high level programmer, taking a look at the market data on that to see what a dollar per hour figure looks like, and then going and finding those freelancers at that dollar per hour mark. And then asking for, you know, a portfolio of sorts or examples of, of their work at that price point. And then from there, you know, kind of figuring out on your end, doing somewhat of a, a cost benefit analysis. And I throw that term around, term around kind of arbitrarily, but doing some sort of cost benefit, cost benefit analysis to see if that dollar per hour and that level of deliverable is what your business needs. Um, but overall, the, the short form answer to that is you get what you pay for. And uh, I, I can't stress that one enough. Yeah. And we've found that sometimes it's it's a trial and error with finding the right person, because sometimes people will charge a lot and they like some of the things that they write seem good. But then you get it back and you're like, oh, this is not what I expected. So you kind of have to do a trial and error sometimes with, to get the right fit for your team. Right. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think that's where the research portion comes in. Do a little do a little bit of research before you bring that freelancer in because that's going to make the world of difference when you go to audit the deliverable or or follow up on the deliverable, whatever that follow up looks like after a freelancer has produced some sort of level of work for you. Um, without preparation at the beginning, you're, you're kind of, in my opinion, throwing money right down a, a, a very long, dark hole that you'll never, you'll never get that money back. Yeah. So, <laughs> that um, can be very yeah. sad at times. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so once you've got a, you know, you've found the right talent, you've got that talent in place. Um, a lot of times communication is like the biggest thing because they're not really a integrated part of your team to begin with. And so you have to have that communication. So how do you set that communication process or framework up so that it, you're successful? Yeah, I think for this, every company is a little bit different because when it comes to communication, you're also talking about your company culture and how your company communication is is set within your culture. Um, now for us at the Hoth specifically, when we built out a freelance team of writers, so one of our products, we have a, a content product called Hoth Blogger. It's a very original product name, I know, but um, we have a, a content uh, product named Hoth Blogger and we've built out our own writing team, uh, freelance writing team, excuse me, for that product, for, for the fulfillment. And so with that, we knew we would need a very high level of communication when it comes to um, training, when it comes to client feedback, when it comes to pushing projects through, et cetera. And so what we did was we uh, one gave access our to we gave access um, to Slack to all of our freelancers and they can utilize Slack whenever wherever they want. Uh, and then number two, we had provided a Facebook community uh, where all of our freelance writers for the Hoth specifically are in um, a a Facebook group curated by us and and also some other freelancers who have chosen to uh, to to step up and, and help curate, but. Um, with this community, they share trainings, they share customer feedback. Uh, we share updated, um, updated, uh, you can call it trainings or, or rules and regulations. Um, we, when we have our annual conference, it's called HothCon. It's at the beginning of the year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we, we send HothCon updates there. We send fun recognition. And so that's what works for us at the Hoth is, is basically having a communication environment that's super inclusive. Uh, that's we're super open to it and that is readily accessible for everyone on their own time because that's another thing to to discuss as well um, is sort of the the compliance factor of freelancers and making sure that as a business owner operator that you're following those compliance guidelines not just for the safety of your business but because you actually give a darn about the freelancer and, and sort of the lifestyle they've chosen as a freelancer and so that's that's what I like to put at the end when, when it comes to a question like this. Hey folks, let's take a break to hear about today's sponsor. And we are back. So going, kind of building off what you mentioned, uh, you mentioned something about having training materials in your Facebook group and using Slack to connect people. What should uh, any company anticipate when it comes to training? I know that a lot of people feel like, well, if you're a freelancer, you have this expertise and you should come in knowing X, Y, Z. But do you think there should be a level of expectation that, hey, I need to train this person to help them do the very best they can for our business? Yeah, I, I think there definitely has to be some level of training for what your company expects, at least. And, and every level is going to be a little bit different. Um, 
Well, you know, when it comes to, you know, I'll just go back to the, the, uh, our freelance writers, for example, when it comes to our freelance writers, we, we understand that they already have a, a much higher level of writing experience than really anyone here in the company, myself included. If you ask me to write a blog post, it's going to take about four weeks, um, with multiple cups of coffee and, uh, a, a few times of, of throwing my laptop against the wall. But, um, <laughs> our, the writers that we bring in, uh, have a lot of really great experience. However, we want to make sure that the content we're providing to our clients, which is done on a per project basis is, um, is as congruent as possible, no matter, you know, what client is submitting any sort of article and, and whatever freelancer picks up that article, we want to make sure that, you know, whether it's, it's John Doe or Jane Smith, whoever produces that article, that it's pretty much done and formatted in the same way. I call it the, the dominoes effect. I want to make sure that, you know, if you go to Domino's in Florida, you're getting the same pizza as the Domino's say in Washington state. Well, when you come to the Hoth for, for a piece of blog content, whether it is um, like John Doe or Jane Smith, whoever's writing that, they're following the, the guidelines that we've set forth for those those uh, those those projects. And so I hope that outlines a little bit of how we do that here at the Hoth and, and sort of some suggestions for other businesses moving forward, just to make sure that these freelancers are, are following through on the expectations that you've set uh, and that you're paying for. Yeah, so maybe even like if it's a writer, you should have a style guide that you give them or if it's some other role, some kind of documented standard operating procedures that you don't just throw at them right. and walk away either. That's exactly it. <laughs> That's and, the uh, worst. <laughs> for, for some freelancers that we have, you know, on the, on the on the programming side specifically, it's exactly that. It's having the SOPs ready to go for either them to follow or them to use as guidelines. If you don't have mm -hmm. those SO, SOPs for any freelancer that you're bringing in, you're almost shooting yourself in the foot and you, you, you open that hole back up to start throwing money down again uh, because it's it's you're going to be starting at square one and you're, you're not going to be really making any progress on that first or second day of having the freelancer. Yeah. And one of the things that um, you have to kind of pay attention to is about kind of treating them like an employee because the nature of your engagement with them can kind of walk the line sometimes. So how do you ensure that you're respecting their boundaries as a contracted resource, but also making them feel welcome and appreciated. Yeah, that's, a, that's a interesting line to toe. <clears throat> and one that is, is more grayer than I think it should be just from my personal perspective, but overall the IRS outlines um, three common law rules for uh, sort of the, the freelancer compliance, if you will, when it comes to identifying them as independent contractors or employees. And it's behavioral, financial, and, and like a type of relationship, I think the wording is. And basically what we make sure to do at the Hoth and at FreeUp specifically is we don't impede um, our freelancers' rights for those three categories. So for behavioral, uh, we don't have the right to control when our freelancers sign on. They pick all of their own schedules. They are... Our freelance writers, specifically to the Hoth, we have our um, project set up at sort of on an Uber basis, if you will, I call it, where our freelancers can sign in and pick a project and pick as many projects as they want, as long as the queue is full um, and sign off whenever they want, et cetera. So that's an example of behavioral. With, with financial, it's, uh, you know, we pay on a per project basis. Uh, we make sure that, you know, we, we not only set the terms of the pay, uh, pay levels for the projects, but that we also pay out on time for that as well. And our freelancers agree to those, um, those uh, fixed costs, or I'm sorry, 
fixed price points, if you will, mm -hmm. for um, those those uh, projects that we give them. And then type of relationship, we make sure that we send a vendor agreement um, or contractor agreement to every single freelancer that we have that works for us. Uh, they understand their rights as a freelancers and, and our rights as, as, a, a, as a business. And in that contract, it also outlines what our relationship looks like and, and um, you know, what their relationship looks like to us from a freelancer perspective. And we outline the relationship very clearly. Uh, we make sure that the benefits we have for our W-2 employees in-house are are um, kept to our W-2 employees. We, we make sure not to toe the line with our freelancers. And so it's just really important to, if, if you do go down the freelance route as a business owner operator, to outline those items very clearly and upfront, not only with your business, but also your freelancers as well, just, because, just so that there's a mutually understood expectation there. Because without that, there's going to be questions that will pop up with your in your freelancer relationship that you might not be prepared for. And, and if you're not prepared for it, uh, it may put you in a little bit of a pickle. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's, I hope, hopefully that's answered your question. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't really realize, you know, some of these rules that are in place and how you need to treat uh, freelancers versus your employees. And, and especially like over the last few months, I know that, um, with all the things that have happened with COVID and everything and a lot of people going to work from home, some companies have made changes in their companies where they've had to let some people go, but then they are also making, filling some of those spots with those freelancers. Um, so that's definitely something that I think people need to be thinking about. Is that something that you've noticed um, over the last couple of months, any, any more uptick in people working with freelancers? Yes, actually, uh, our, the, the free up business, uh, specifically has, you know, every business took a little bit of a, a, a plunge in the middle of March of this year from a revenue perspective, but our, our freelancer portion of the business on in free up, uh, actually saw an increase, uh, basically from late March up until really this, this week. I mean, we just got our, our, um, weekly hours report back this week for free up and we're, we're getting back to where we were for lack of a better phrase, uh, at the beginning of the year. And it's, it's really exciting because we have seen a lot of businesses rely more on freelancer productivity um, versus maybe having a W-2 team member. Now, there are some intricacies in there in terms of businesses who fill a W-2 uh, employee position with a freelancer. And there are definitely some ethical concerns with that, mm -hmm. uh, of which we, we're, we're, we're very open about. Um, but when it comes to businesses growing, for instance, like we found a lot of businesses that we work with are using this opportunity um, during COVID uh, to kind of uh, evolve their business, if you will, and, and make make it better than it was when, you know, when they get their clients back, when, when their clients come back to them. Um, and so they're utilizing freelancer productivity to do um, short, basically short term projects, if you will, to accomplish whatever they're trying to do. Um, you know, for instance, we have a, a client that has uh, multiple medical facilities in the Midwest, and he's using freelancer productivity to build out landing pages on his website for those multiple locations. He doesn't necessarily need to hire somebody uh, to build that out uh, internally for, you know, from a W-2 perspective, but having a freelancer building out those individual landing pages that allows him to, to make a short-term commitment to an expert, for lack of a better phrase, uh, to, to build out those properties for him. Right. So even pre-pandemic times, I know legislation that was pending and I guess it went into effect in California kind of got some companies that depend on freelance or contracted workers, you know, concerned that 
maybe we're going to see an end to the gig economy at some point because uh, people want to ensure that freelancers have benefits or whatever issues that they're trying to resolve. Have you had any concerns about seeing that occur nationwide or any concerns with what California has tried to do? Yeah, I, I do. I uh, have many concerns with what California is trying to do in, in terms of uh, the legislation that was passed earlier this year with regard to freelancers. And um, my my public policy knowledge goes only about three feet. So my please excuse my <laughs> ignorance when talking about this. And if any of your listeners have any additional details on, on maybe some opportunities for me to learn about this, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. But really specifically to, to the California situation, is we have had freelancers out in California that we unfortunately cannot work with anymore because of this legislation. We've talked to these freelancers. They're they're part of our community. They're part of our culture. And, you know, we've just wanted to see, you know, how they feel about it. And really what California did to freelancers was take away their jobs, take away their lifestyles, take away the thing that they cared about most. Um, Yes, the the thesis of the bill is set up to make sure that companies do not take advantage of, of contractors or freelancers. And I'm fully supportive of that. But the, the second order consequences of that is there are people who choose, many people who choose to be freelancers, who want to live that certain lifestyle, that want to live wherever they want, that want to operate the business uh, that they want to operate in their way. And uh, that legislation totally nixed that and uh, took jobs away from people living in the state of California, which is the saddest part. And so how does that um, translate to other states? I have no idea. I, I honestly haven't kept up with other states trying to ratify similar legislation. It probably should. Um, but it's a, it's a, it is kind of unfortunate of what's happened in California uh, with that piece of legislation and the freelancers who were directly affected by it, who want to freelance. Just like you said, it, it's like those freelancers are the ones that are getting hurt in some of these instances because it, it's not necessarily what they wanted the law went into place. And so they're, they're the ones getting hurt and that's a shame. Yep, exactly. And it's, it's going, you know, indirectly going to hurt the California economy as well. I mean, I, I don't know the percentage of freelancers or contractors out of the state of California. Um, but I do know you have a very large tech innovation uh, uh, population over there in California. And I know that uh, it will directly impact not only that industry, but other industries as well. And it's, it's going to affect their economy from a long-term perspective, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and if any other states decide to follow. So before we kind of go to our just for fun question, which we'd like to end with, do you have any other tips or advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, we we said it earlier, um, and I'll say it again, is when when you bring on freelancers as a business owner and operator, um, make sure you're prepared. Make sure you have very clear set defined goals. Make sure you have very clear set defined expectations and have an SOP ready to go for, for whatever you're hiring a freelancer for. If you're hiring a freelancer for expertise, still have some semblance of SOP or expectation um, just to, to use as a basis uh, for the relationship when you have the freelancer. Because if you don't do that, one, you're not preparing. And, and we all know as, as business operators that preparation is, is one of the most important things that you can do. Um, so one, you're not preparing. And two, you're going to be wasting your money very quickly. And as a, as a business operator of a freelancer platform, I can say that um, you know, we, we want to make sure that when our clients come to us, they're prepared and ready to go um, so that there is not a missed expectation or a thought process that money is being wasted. So yeah, that would be my tips. My, my ultimate tip and trick is, is just be prepared as a, as a business owner or operator when it comes to freelancers coming into your environment. 
Yeah. As a business owner, I can say I don't like to waste money. So that's definitely <laughs> something that, that you need to pay attention to. <laughs> Always. Yes. Especially during these times. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so now just the just for fun question. If you weren't COO at the Hoth, what would your dream job be? Oh, gosh. Well, I always saw myself in uh, in in sort of a high-level managerial role with with a level of entrepreneurialness, if you will, with it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will tell you what, the position I was in before the Hoth, I, I worked for Target and uh, I did some operational leadership for Target in the St. Petersburg district and, and learned a lot. I mean, learned learned more than I think I was ready for. Um, but I figured out that wasn't for me, that I could not stretch my uh, my op- entrepreneurial legs, if you will. And so coming to the Hoth, really, I, f- I do feel like I am in my dream job, not just as a COO, but as the business operator, and being able to work with so many different diverse people and, and mindsets and education levels that uh, and different expertise, really, that uh, every, every day is a new day here, and it's it's really special. But if I wasn't here, what would be my ultimate dream job? I think, you know, I, I'm a big sports fan. Um, the Atlanta Braves are my favorite baseball team. Baseball is my favorite sport. And I think, you know, being general manager of the Atlanta Braves, um, which I would have no idea what the heck I'm doing, <laughs> whatever, would be, that would be one of the coolest uh, jobs I, th- I think I could have. But I'm totally unqualified. So if the Braves are listening, please, you know, don't waste your time. Don't come after me. Um, but really, I, I do feel like I'm in my dream job and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. We got a great team here internally, great team of freelancers as well. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're only getting started. And so it's just it's, it's such a pleasure being able to share our Hoth story with with uh, you all and, and being so close to us. I mean, you're basically part of the Hoth family anyway. So, um, yeah, it's I do feel like I'm, I'm in my dream job right now. Awesome. Well, George, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today about building and maintaining relationships with freelancers. If our listeners want to connect with you or even get that killer recipe that we mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> how would they connect with you online or follow you? That Absolutely. might be a way to do that. That might be a secret recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Passed down from generations, let me tell you. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, getting in contact with, with me or, or my team specifically, obviously, is the Um you, you can sign up for a free account there and talk to any of our account managers as well as freeup.net. Uh, we have a, a few account managers on there as well that you can talk to really at any time. And then me specifically, um, I, I can be reached at georgethehoth.com. It goes straight to my cell phone. I'm on it 24 um, seven. I don't have anyone looking at my emails. It's, it's all straight to me. Um, I would love any and all feedback from your listeners after this episode. And then uh, also on LinkedIn, there's a few George Papadeuses on LinkedIn, but I'm usually the first result. Um, and so please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm happy to continue to share the story or, or uh, give some advice or, uh, maybe maybe just uh, listen to any feedback that you all have. And we'll make sure to include those links in the show notes so that people can just click and make sure they get to the right George when they go to LinkedIn. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. So make sure you go follow and connect with George. And if you want to get in touch with me or Stacy, you can hit us up on social. On Twitter, you can find Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. And you can find me at Elena underscore Jax. That's A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. And if you're not a Twitter fan, we are always on LinkedIn. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor mobile app or on our Anchor.fm show page. See you next time. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacey Jackson and Elena Jackson. 
of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.